brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. because I am a roaring lion crying out righteousness. Welcome to the Trust in the Lord Hour. I am your host for today, Sabbath Rachel Leffler, sitting in, of course, for the Honorable James David Manning, who is taking care of some much uh, rather important legal issues regarding the foreclosure. And, you know, I just want to start off by saying that we certainly want to continue to pray all of you who are praying, uh, all of you who are supporting us in this issue. Um, please continue to support through your prayers and your finances. This is a humongous battle. And as you've heard Pastor Manning state, this battle belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that all victory is in his hands. But as pastor is going forth and he's going to court and he's standing before the judges and he's dealing with all of these shysty lawyers and and all that 
that's a part of this battle. We, w- we certainly want to continue to pray uh, for Pastor and this house as we are going forth. So today, um, as I've told you in times past, I am very much inspired when I listen to Pastor every Sabbath teaching. And so this Sabbath uh, that just passed, the teaching that we received as the Lord speaks unto Honorable James David Manning was no different. I was yet inspired again. And I, you know, I was listening to what Pastor was saying as he was talking about patience and how powerful patience is and what a weapon patience can be. And I began meditating and I began thinking about, you know, my life and times where I was not patient. Um, And, you know, since he's been speaking to us about increasing 20 percent and developing patience and developing uh, discipline, self-discipline within our, you know, within our lives and the things that we do on a daily basis, I have actually been putting into practice patience. And I will tell you this, as I'm sitting before you, honestly, as I sit before the Lord Jesus Christ, um, it has not been easy. For me personally, patience has not been an easy thing. You know, when I look at my life, and again, listening to Pastor Manning and everything that he was saying this past Sabbath, I realized that I have not always been patient. Um, In fact, um, I've been so impatient in many things that um, it often or always, should I say, put me in a place where I should not have been. And unbeknowingly, um, I began practicing patience even before the teachings that Pastor gave us, just because of if you listen to all of Pastor's teachings and you realize that through everything that God is in control of everything, you realize that there's absolutely nothing you can do. You know, there's some things that we can control, that we do have the power to control. And then there are other things where we have no control whatsoever. And I realized that my first uh, test of patience was during a time when uh, Elder LaFleur and I wanted to have children, and we just could not have children. Now, something like having children, you would think, oh, well, that's in your control. You can certainly have children whenever you want to have children. But for us, that was not in our control. And it was the first time in my life that I realized that I really don't have any control over this. And it was the time that I went before the Lord and I decided, you know what, Lord, This is in your hands. I'm putting all of this in your hands. And the one thing that I think is so important as we talk about patience today, and I'm going to talk about some other things as well, but the one thing that I realized at that moment in time when I was going through so much pain was that through my waiting on the Lord that God would give me peace. That was the one thing that I wanted. I wanted peace in my heart, peace in my mind, peace in my life to go forth, even if what I wanted never took place. I asked the Lord to give me peace, and I relinquished it. I relinquished all of the pain that I was feeling and all of the hurt that I was feeling at the time. I gave it all to the Lord in that very moment in time, because again, I realized that I didn't have any control over this. And it was so clear to me at that time that if God wasn't going to do it, then it wasn't going to be done. And again, 
I just asked the Lord to give me peace to go forth and to live my life with my husband and just really enjoy each other if it was his will that we would never have children. Now, obviously, you know, I have five children now. Um, but you know, it was a lesson that I learned. And again, many times we don't learn these lessons until we actually go through things. So just going back to pastor's teaching this past Sabbath, as he talked about patience and I made some notes here. Um, and one of the things he said to us was that patience is a weapon. Now, all of us are waiting on something. All of us are. I mean, we are waiting for different things. Some of us are waiting for some of the same things. You may be waiting for your assignment. You may be waiting for a husband. You may be waiting for a wife. You may be waiting um, for whatever it is that you're waiting for that is going to give glory unto the Lord. So to some extent, we're all waiting for something. I know that many of us are waiting um, on the vision to come to pass. We're waiting on Atla. We're waiting to see 50,000 righteous men. We're waiting to see the clean streets that God has spoken unto us, where men will be leaders in their home, in the communities, and in the church. That is something that many of us are waiting for, and there's no doubt in my mind, again, that it is going to come to pass. But in our waiting, in our waiting on the Lord, I pray that God will give us peace. Now, also in our waiting, we need to increase, as Pastor has spoken to us. We need to increase by 20%. We need to practice more patience. We need to practice more uh, discipline in our lives. And one of the areas that I have found um, that I'm practicing more patience in specifically is in that of dealing with people. You know, in order to be a teacher, you ha- if you don't have patience, you should not be a teacher because dealing with children in general requires you to have a lot of patience. And I've learned that throughout the years of just being patient. You know, when you're teaching children, and I, I assume that it's the same for pastor as he's teaching us as adults. Not everyone learns on the same level. Not everyone learns at the same pace. And so for some students, you have to give a little bit more patience than you would for others. There are others who are quick learners, who are uh, self-starters, who just, you can teach them and they just run with it. And then there are others who need more time to develop and to grow and to learn. And so for those students, you have to apply patience. And I've learned that being a teacher here in Great Tomorrow's Elementary uh, Middle School and Outlaw High School. And so it's something that we have to consciously go forth with. Now, many of you are on jobs and you have coworkers and you have other people that you interact with on a daily basis. Again, patience is something that you can implement in your dealings with people. You know, you may come across someone who has a certain type of personality and once you get into that um, that circle with that person, you may be quick-tempered or you may be quick to respond to certain situations. But what pastor's teaching us, again, is that we need to be patient and that there are times where we need to wait. And while we are waiting, 
um, we need to ask the Lord to give us peace or to show us how to go about dealing with a certain situation. So because we are in the trust in the Lord hour, of course, we are going to uh, use some Bible verses as examples. And two characters that I want to use as an example of one being impatient and one being patient is that of Saul and Job. Now, when we talk about Saul, you can find this in 1 Samuel uh, 13, verses 8 to 15. It talks about uh, Samuel, who was the prophet at the time, told Saul that he would come back um, and that, that Saul should tarry for him for seven days. And in seven days, he would return. And once he returned, that he was going to give offerings unto the Lord. And Saul waited. In fact, he waited um, the seven days. And early on the seventh day, impatience came in. And Saul, because he couldn't wait any longer, because the people began to scatter, and he said, oh, my God, if I don't do something quick, I'm going to lose this. I don't see Samuel. And so he, re he reacted on the seventh day, early, as he rose on that seventh day. And he offered sacrifices unto the Lord, which was not what he was supposed to do. And as Samuel told him, Samuel came on the seventh day, and obviously Saul had already done what he did, which was against the commandment of God, and so Samuel rebuked him and chastised uh, Saul because he was impatient. Many times we could wait, you know, we could wait just a little bit, and then when things start getting really tight or the pressure begins to build, we just kind of said, okay, I can't wait any longer. And so we react, and so we respond. And in that moment, we were so close to that finish line, and in that moment where God was just getting ready to do whatever it is he was going to do, we were this close to the finish line and we reacted instead of waiting. And then we lose everything as Saul did in this example. And so, again, you know, Pastor also stated um, that most items of patience needs about 40 years. And so sometimes we could get too impatient because we want something so bad. I want it. I want it. I want it now. I can't wait any longer. Again, in that split second of just, you could have waited just five more seconds. And in that five seconds, God would have given you the victory or God would have given you that blessing. But because you couldn't wait just five seconds, you lost everything. And so I am finding now, as Pastor has been talking about patience as of recent, how powerful patience truly is. And then on the opposite side of that, of being impatient, we have one who, had, who was patient, and that was Job. And we all know the story of Job. We all know the things that God allowed to be taken from him. He lost everything, just about everything. And he came down to his knees being sick. And even his wife, even Job's wife said, how could you be so calm? How could you be so at peace with all of this? You need to curse God. Even Job's wife was telling him, how could you be so patient? 
In other words, you should be, you should be cursing. You should be saying something. You should be doing something. But no, Job practiced patience. And in his patience, God blessed him more than he had to begin with. So he is a great example of patience. You know, Pastor went on to say on Saturday he used Elder Butler as an example. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As you know, Elder Butler has been experiencing many things physically. But yet he's been steadfast. He has been faithful. He has been, he, you know, going before the Mellon Bank and seeing Elder Butler come out there every day for a week and stand and sit strong um, before those people as we fight this major battle. Could you have done something like that? Or would you have easily made excuses or easily have given up and said, you know, there's no way I can do this. I don't have the strength to do this. And so Job is a great example. How many people could actually go through what Job went through and still practice patience and still not curse God and still just go through everything that he was going through, losing things left, losing things left and right that were dear to him, no doubt. And so patience, as Pastor stated, is a weapon, is a weapon that we need to learn how to use all to the glory of God. And so coming back to the vision that God has given us of Atla, we need to be patient. But in our patience of waiting for God to do the things that he is going to do, it's not like we don't have anything to do in the meantime. While we're waiting on the Lord to do what he's going to do, we need to do what we need to do. We need to grow. We need to develop. We need to get this land ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as he comes back the second time around. And so there are many things that we can do in our waiting. And we can't be um, hasteful about the things that we do. You know, I've seen time and time again of what impatience does. Um, personally, I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in the lives of others of what it is when you are impatient, when you don't wait on the Lord. And again, it's because we want something so bad and we just feel like we have to have it right now. Now is the time. But our now is not always God's now. And so we have to learn how to wait on the Lord. So I am employing patience even more so consciously 
I'm being more aware of how I respond to things. I'm being more aware of how I go about doing things. And then I'm learning to just kind of step back and just saying, well, Sabbath, this is something that you need to do right now. Maybe just kind of wait. You know, one example of patience that I know to be true in my life is that, first of all, coming before you, when pastor asked me to... Uh, Sabbath, I need you to do the trust in the Lord or the Manning report. I have to tell you, years gone by, I would, I would, you know, run all over the place and oh my gosh, I got to get ready. I got to get ready. I got to study. I got to prepare. I got to do this. I got to do that. And there's no doubt that I still do that. But one of the things that I've learned as of late, in fact, more recently, is that I don't always know exactly what I'm going to say or even always what I'm going to cover until the morning of. And one of the things that I am learning how to do even better is just depend and depend on the Lord and just wait. And many times, like this morning, I waited until the Lord gave me some things that I believe he wanted me to cover. I didn't, um, you know, what I normally do is the night before, even two days before, if I know in advance, I'll try to get some things together. But I have learned to just wait because what I get together may not be what the Lord wants me to talk about. And so as of late, I've been learning to be patient. So I have to just wait, just pray and just wait on the Lord and wait to see what God is going to show you. And many times at the very last minute, for example, and today was a great example of that. Right before I came here to sit on the desk, the Lord showed me something. Um, he showed me something to cover and I immediately just began writing it down. Um, and so I'm having those kind of experiences now of learning to just be patient because I don't always know what I'm going to say. This is not easy coming before you to speak to you. And, you know, certainly pastor does this every day and God bless him that he can do this every day because it's not an easy task. And I understand completely why he can be so fully drained, you know, after doing these two hours on a daily basis, he does this. And so again, uh, I am grateful and thankful to almighty God uh, for Pastor Manning, as he is my example, as I watch him. And, you know, just going back to that of being a teacher and just being students, we are students here in this ministry. And so pastor has all of us to deal with. And we all have many different personalities and we all come from many different backgrounds and we all came in with many different kinds of baggage and things that pastor has to deal with or had to deal with with many of us. And I look at how he deals with people and I look at the level of patience that he uses in his dealings with people. You know, I've said many times, um, talking about Moses that, you know, I can understand, you know, Moses got impatient. There's no doubt 
that Moses got impatient in dealing with the children of Israel. You know, he got tired of them murmuring. He got tired of them complaining. You know, you no good, whatever, whatever. All you do is complain. All you do is moan. All you do is talk about what you don't have. All you do is talk about what you had when you were in Egypt. Well, if you would have just left us in Egypt, we would have been just fine just dealing with what we had. But you brought us out here in the wilderness. Now we got to deal with all this. We got to deal with all that. Despite the fact that God was giving, keeping them warm in the evening by fire, keeping them cool in the day, giving them manna from heaven, giving them water to drink when they were thirsty, despite all of those things, yet they still murmured and complained. And then Moses got impatient. He said, you know what? <laughs> if this were modern days, Moses probably would have been like, you know, you bleep, 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 bunch of people. You no good bleep, bleep, bleep. Bunch of people, all you do is moan and complain. What is wrong with you people? He got impatient. But again, I look at Pastor and I watch as how he deals with us as students because we're all on many different levels. Again, not everyone learns on the same level or pace. Some people take a little bit longer to learn. And I've watched Pastor deal with many of us using patience. And thank God that he does, because if not, many of us would have fallen away so long ago. But thank God he has practiced patience. God has shown him how to use patience. And so as he is our example, um, I work every day to do the same thing, to practice patience in my dealings with people. And not necessarily the students that I deal with, because I understand that they're children, and I understand that with children, you know, things take a little bit of time. But, you know, it dawned on me later on that it's the same thing when you're dealing with adults. Don't assume that just because somebody is an adult that they have it all together. Don't assume that just because someone is of a certain age that they are beyond and they have passed this level of teaching. I mean, if that's the case, why would we all need to be here? All of us had to be taught. All of us still needs God to teach us many things as he's teaching us at this moment to practice patience and discipline. And so it's really been a blessing. And so I've realized that now that I look at things through the implementation of patience that I don't see things the same way and I don't see people the same way. And so how do I explain it? It's like when you begin to employ patience in your dealings with people, um, you're not so quick to respond. You're slow to respond or better yet, you respond in a different way. So maybe you wouldn't respond in a quick temper. Maybe you're slow to respond in a way of understanding because you realize that the person that you're dealing with um, has a level of understanding. Um, and this is not in no way am I trying to put any, anyone down in any kind of way. But again, I realize that we all have different personalities. We all have different levels of understanding. And so that it is just, it is what it is, as I always say. And so it's been wonderful having that experience of learning how to really deal with people using patience. I did not realize that it could bring this type of result or effect 
that I'm now experiencing as I'm dealing with people, but it has for me. And so every day I go forth and I try to implement or practice patience in everything that I do. You know, being around children all day, having five children of my own, again, um, I didn't always practice patience. Um, When I go home, I deal with children all day from morning to the afternoon. And when I go home, I'm still dealing with children. Um, My day does not end when I walk into my home. I I still have five children that I have to deal with on a daily basis. And so patience was not always the key with me because by the time I got home, I just wanted to rest. Um, But that's not always the case. Anyone who is a mother, anyone who deals with children knows if you have children, uh, you don't rest. You really don't rest. Um, And it is, it just is what it is. But I'm grateful for it. I'm not complaining. I am, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to, um, to do this, to experience this, because again, it's teaching me how to practice more patience in my life. And so again, pastor spoke about patience being a weapon, a mighty weapon that we all need to learn to implement. Now I want to turn the corner for a second and I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, um, as we just spoke about patience and we talked about Saul being impatient as an example of impatience and Job being a person who practiced patience, I want to talk to you about worrying because worrying is another aspect that comes into that of impatience. And so let's take a quick break and I'll be back with more. Over the years, we have served more than one million meals to hungry bellies and hungry people here in the Harlem community. And I wanted you to be able to see that. I want you to see our involvement with youth, our summer youth programs, the uh, our courtyard being used as a, uh, a place where children can be safe, guarded, and protected as they have their miniature swimming pools. Um, and a safe place for children to eat that is guarded, that is protecting, protected by our own sense of security and the wholesome and fresh meals that um, that we serve. We, we wanted you to be able to see the mission of this church. And we've been doing this for years. Just recently, one of our members, more than a 30-year member of this church, but it hasn't, not one that... You know that you would probably find as members of some other churches with their nose stuck up in the air. But her father is now close to death or very sick in the state of South Carolina. And uh, what I said to her, what I said, well, because she doesn't have money, I said, we will buy you a bus ticket, a round trip bus or train ticket for you to travel to South Carolina to, to be with your father in this time of pandemic. There's very little funding around. There's, there's sickness everywhere. And and she the thing that just blew me away was she said as she was talking to Elizabeth, she said, but how are you going to do that? They're pay for me a round-trip ticket to, to travel and give me expense money. And because you got to, Pastor Manning has to feed the children. He has to take, he has to educate the children. He has to buy school supplies for them. He has to pick them up in the mornings and take them back. And then he's got the ministry he has to take care of, all the bills of running the church, of 
keeping a major house like our house operational, keep the lights on, keep the, how are you going to be able to do that? And she was almost reluctant to take the money because she felt that it would be better served by feeding the children. We gave it to her anyway. But we want you to know that we do a work in this community. There have been a lot of lies told on us. And it's almost unimaginable why some of the people that have lied on us. But I can tell you behind all of it is the LGBTQ community. They don't want us to be successful, but we are, and we're going to continue to be successful in serving the meals that we're serving and serving the people that we are. And the LGBTQ community will not take us down. They are not going to take our church, yet they have defamed us. They've written ugly newspaper articles about us. They've marched against us. They've done a whole lot of ugly things. But you see what we have done, and that's not even the half of our service to children and to the need. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In terms of our homeless shelters and the things that we've done over the years, and we will continue. And probably the lies and the smears and the ugly newspaper articles and the wicked spirits and the so-called I ain't for the black man, that is not going to go away. I don't expect it to go away. I don't. But I do tell you this, that we will succeed against all of that, for God is with us, and I am his servant. What is one of your favorite meals that you have had here? Um, burgers and fries. The food's delicious. The rice and the chicken and cornbread. As it should. Wonderful. You see it made in the kitchen. They have sandwiches, soups, waffles. Everything. Mm -hmm, everything. It's always gourmet breakfast made fresh every day. Um, you know, I personally love Sister Leah's eggs. Yep. It is amazing. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even begin to fathom the airy taste. Literally, guys, a couple days ago, I was by the kitchen, and I was just... The eggs was just wow, yep, really, really good. good. It was really good. Really good. really good. I agree with that statement. Really good. What do you think about Pastor Manor? How do you like it? Like, Pastor is a very great man. He's honest. He's giving, and he likes to help uh, the younger ones become 
uh, future leaders. Yes. I feel like that's a great trait because I mean, now people a days, they don't really care about others. They care about themselves. They have the trait to care for somebody else, to listen to their problems and help them grow as another person. It's rare to find. And I feel like that's a great trait about them. You know, um, before we go into the segment of worrying um, as it relates to patients, one of the things that I want to remind you of is a statement Pastor Manning made in that when you are patient, when you practice patience, you will begin to see that people will respond to you in a different way because people will notice that you are not uh, acting in your usual way. You know, being around people all of the time, whether it be your coworkers or others, if you are always around people in general, you begin to see people's patterns. You begin to see how people respond to things. You begin to see how people act in certain kind, uh, kinds of ways. And one of the things is if you are a person who is practicing patience and normally you were not, people will begin to notice that. And as they begin to notice that, they will begin to respond differently. Um, and I know that to be true uh, as well. But I wanted to talk about worrying now um, in, as we're talking about patients because worrying is what causes us to be impatient. See, going back to Saul, when Saul got to the seventh day and he didn't see Samuel, and more importantly, when he saw that the people began to scatter, he began to worry. And in his worrying, he said, you know what, I got to do something. I got to do something. Let me just offer the uh, sacrifices. And so Pastor taught us um, some time ago that worrying is a sin. And again, as we are in the trust in the Lord hour and we are being taught how to trust in the Lord, I wanted to go to Matthew 6, uh, verse 25, as we talk about worrying. Uh, and it says, therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? So in other words, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to put on. And God goes on to say, you know, I feed the birds. I take care of the flowers. If I take care of those things, how much more so do you think that I will take care of you? I take care of all those things that I have created. I also created you. You don't think that I'm going to take care of you? Therefore, don't worry. And so Pastor taught us at the time that worrying is a sin. Now, worry is something that comes so easily. And I was reading several articles uh, this morning, and one of the articles that I came across said that women actually worry more than men. And I can believe that to be true that women worry more than men do. Women experience more anxiety than men do. And so as we talk about worry, I wanted to get some definitions for you. Um, because Pastor also talked about you can be concerned um, without having to be worried about something. And so looking at the definition of the word worry, it is to give way to anxiety or unease or to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles, a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. 
is the definition of worry. And so when we talk about worry, it doesn't necessarily even have to be something we're actually in the midst of. It could be something that potentially is going to happen, hasn't even happened yet, but yet we begin to worry. And then concern, which sometimes can interact as a synonym for worry, is a matter of interest or importance to someone. So we can be concerned about something. We can have an important matter um, that we something that we deem important to us and be concerned about it, but not necessarily have to go into worrying because once you begin to worry, it then um, begins to pull in anxiety. And if we look at anxiety, it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Now, in psychology, psychiatrics will um, will talk about how anxiety can really take over someone's mind state so much more that it can deplete, completely destroys, destroys someone's mindset and, and therefore thus destroying their lives. And as we talk about anxiety, which is a level of worrying, you can have symptoms of anxiety, the feeling of nervousness, increased heart rate, breathing rapidly, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, or have trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than the present worrying. So this is something very serious, and this is not what God wants us to do. God does not want us having anxiety. God does not want us to worry about things. Let's go to Philippians 4, uh, verse 6, where it states, uh, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And this is what I was talking about earlier as I was talking about why you're waiting and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, instead of worrying about things, go to prayer. Go into supplication with thanksgiving. And tell God of what your concerns are. God does not want us to worry. He has not made us. He did not create us to worry about anything. And so if we have that feeling, and again, it is so very easy to start worrying about things. And as I stated to you just a few minutes ago, they, many articles will state that women worry more than men. Um, and I know that to be true. You know, looking at myself personally, um, I know that... I would worry more than Elder LaFleur would. And I'm not even sure if Elder LaFleur even worried about things. I know that he had concerns about things. But when you talk about worrying, um, I would be the one to worry about things more. It's so easy to worry about things. And, again, the, one of the things that I have learned is that there are certain things that we have control over, and then there are other things that we just have no control over. And those things we need to just let go. And we need to give it to the Lord. As the word just stated, take it to the Lord. Pray about it. 
um, give your concerns over to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as we are talk about this foreclosure that we're going through, this massive battle that we're in the midst of, in the midst of, I know the pastor is not worrying. Now, he does have concerns about things, but ultimately he is not worrying as to whether or not we are going to defeat the Mellon Bank. In fact, even in spite of all that we're going through, in spite of them having several lawyers against us, in spite of so many people attacking us and so many people wanting to celebrate in to see our defeat, pastor knows that God has the victory. He knows that. And thus meaning he has the victory. We have the victory. As we know that this battle belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so worrying is not something that God has ordained for us. He never created us to worry about things. He takes care again of everything that he has created. And we are made in an image of God. We are made in his likeness. How much more so do you think that he will take care of us if we just do the things that we need to do, if we are just obedient, if we follow his laws, if we follow his precepts, if we do the things that God has called us to do individually and collectively, then God will take care of us. And I'm often reminded, and I shared this with you before, of a dream that the Lord gave to me more than probably about 10 years ago now. And that dream confirmed to me that God is going to take care of us, that God is going to protect us. No matter what is going on around us, no matter how many um, weapons and arrows are thrown at us, the Lord is going to take care of us as long as we stand on his word. And so we really don't need to worry about anything. And I know that, oh, Sabbath, you say, don't worry about anything. Look, I, I've worried about things. So I'm not saying it as though I've never worried about anything. But again, what I'm learning is to give it all to the Lord. Look, if you don't have any control over something, you don't have any control over it. Which, what are you going to do? You don't have control over it. So what are you going to do? I don't want to spend my days moping and in woe is me state of mind. I don't want to spend my days doing that. I don't want to spend my days in depression. I don't want to spend my days in in uh, doom or gloomy and sad and, and, and all of this. I don't want to spend my days, you know, with that kind of mindset. And I understand completely that... Sometimes not everything is going to go the way that I want it to. And so what I ask again is, well, Lord, this may be what I want, but if it's not what you want, then give me peace to be able to deal with what you want for me. Because what I want may not be what you want for me. And so instead of me dwelling and moping around in what I want, which may not be in the will of God, or it may be in the will of God, but I just have to wait until the time. Pastor stated on uh, this past Sabbath, don't let go until you get your blessings. Sometimes we, again, we just have to wait. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not God's will for us. It is God's will for us, but we just have to wait a little bit longer. But he said, don't let go. You stand there and you wait until God gives you your blessing. And we don't know when that time is. That blessing may be given to us tomorrow. That blessing may be given to us in another three, four, five, 12 years. 
but we must wait and we must be patient. And so, again, this weapon of patience, of just waiting on the Lord, is, you know, even for people who are followers or disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, has not been an easy thing. But can we get there? I believe we can. And I don't believe that the Lord would be teaching us to practice patience through the Honorable James Evan Manning, if we could not get to that level. I believe we can get to that level. But we, again, have to do our part. We have to work at it, especially if it's something that, not, that does not come easy to us. You know, there's some people who are naturally more patient than other people. And there's some people who just are not patient at all. But if you want to get to that level, I think that you can get there. Otherwise, why would God be teaching us all of this through Pastor Manning? And so not worrying is certainly a practice that we need to employ because we all go through different circumstances. We all are faced with uh, different challenges individually. And so something that one person may overcome may not be something so easy for another person to overcome. But we need to employ, we need to continue to pray, we need to to continue to seek God's face of getting out of that spirit of worrying. And so as I turn a corner again, um, the other weapon that Pastor spoke about this past Sabbath. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...was to always tell yourself the truth. Now, if you've ever heard me speak... You have heard me say many times that that has been one of the greatest lessons I have learned since I have been a member in this house. Of course, now I'm going to add on to that, that of patience. But telling myself the truth is what did it for me. It is where I began to really fully look at my life, look at my responses to things, look at the way that I do things, and begin to tell myself the truth. Tell myself Oh, you respond this way to things because of this. You act this way because of this. You're this way. You're that way. You have to take a cold heart look at yourself without making any excuses, without blaming someone else, without lying to yourself and say, this is who I am. I don't like it, but this is where I want to be, and then work towards getting to that place. Is it possible? Yes, all things are possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. But telling yourself the truth, whew, that's a big one. 
It is so easy to look at somebody else. It is so easy to look at everybody else and see everybody else's shortcomings and see everybody else's weaknesses and see everyone else's faults. It is rare or difficult for people to look at their own selves and say, wow. Because, you know, many times I, many times people will talk to me and I hear people talking about somebody else, but yet they don't see that they're the exact same way. They don't see it. In themselves, they have no idea that they are the exact same way that they see in somebody else. They don't realize it. And one of the way, reasons they don't realize it is because they don't tell themselves the truth. Well, when I begin to tell myself the truth and I begin to realize that, wow, I'm this way, I'm that way, and I don't like it. I don't like that I'm doing this. I don't like that I respond this way. I don't like that I'm thinking this way. And I began to change those things about myself by first realizing and confessing, not to everybody else. You don't have to go around telling people your business, but confessing it to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, help me in this way, because I don't want to be like this. I don't want to think like this. I want to be better than this. I know that I can be better than this. Begin to really look at yourself inside and out and begin to tell yourself the stomp down truth, not blame it. Oh, well, I, I just responded that way because she, she said this to me or he did that to me. So that's why I responded the way I responded. When you begin to realize that your response and your perception about things are based on you telling yourself the truth, it begins to completely change everything around you. And your perception of things begin to change. And your perception of people begin to change. Because again, it's easy to point out people's faults and their wrongdoings and their weaknesses. But what about you? What have you done wrong? Have you looked at your weaknesses? Have you looked at your wrongdoings? Have you looked at your faults? Because you're not perfect. And maybe you've overcome an area that someone else is struggling in. But yet there are still other areas in your life in which you can improve. And so we really need to be about the business of telling ourselves the truth. And when you begin to do that, being able to confess it before others is easy because then you don't care about what other people think because you're not worried about other people's judgments about you because you have told yourself the truth and you have confessed before the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you are about the business of really working on yourself and changing those things and really working on trying to be who the Lord has called you to do. God can open up the doors for you to do so many different things, but you first have to begin to tell yourself the truth. One of the reasons why Hamite people are not where they need to be yet is because they still, they still have not faced the truth about themselves. They would rather put all the blame on someone else. They would rather make all kinds of excuses. They would rather say, well, we do this because we haven't gotten our reparations yet. We do this because a white man treats us like this. We do this because they look at it this kind of way. We do this because of that. We do this because of this. They will not take that mirror And look at their own reflection. They will not look within their own homes and see what they're doing wrong. They only see what someone else is doing. And if they would take the time to really 
It's hard. Sometimes you can find out truths about yourselves. And he said, my God, that's ugly. I don't like that. I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed that I'm, that I'm even like that. But you got to take the time to do it. And again, you don't have to go around confessing your things to people. Just between you and Jesus. And confess that it is what it is. But then go about the business of changing it. The day that Hamite people, you call them black, the day that black people can get to that point where they can begin, if ever, get to that, that pivotal point that will change everything in the dynamics of the Hamite race, begin to tell yourself the truth. It's not the white man. It's not this. It's not that. It's me. Remember that song? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. If we can get to that point where you could realize and face head on that you're the problem, it's not somebody else, it's you. And deal with it and be able to face that truth. There's so much that God can do with us. And so I believe all things are possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, as pastor is speaking and he's teaching us, when God sends his word out, it does not come back to him void. So all of these things that pastor is teaching us is for a reason. It's for a reason. Otherwise, why would God even waste time speaking to us? If he didn't think, or if he didn't know, not that God has to think, God knows obviously all things, that there will be change that will take place. There will be people, there are a people, should I say, that he can use. There are a people that will be the great light that will honor him, that will glorify him in a world full of darkness devils, all kinds of things. There are a people who will glorify me, who will praise me, who will testify, who will be examples of my truth and my greatness. There are a people who will do that. He's found a people in the people of Atla. And so as pastor continually to speak to us, it is so prudent that we listen with every fiber of our being. We don't have time to shuck and job. We're not playing church in this house. This is not a play church. This is the real deal. And so I understand why some people are a little hesitant to be a part of this because, you know, you may be used to that play church, your play pastor, your pretend pastor, your pretend congregation, your pretend members. You may be used to all of that pretense stuff. We're the real deal here. This is what we follow right here. See these words on, on, on these pages? See these words? From the beginning to the end. This is what we follow. We follow the word of God. This is not a play church in this house. And so as God is teaching us through the Honorable James David Manning, we need to adhere to everything. I say to my students every morning as we go through our Bible lessons, this is real. This is not pretend. I know you all play video games. You watch all of these movies that is in fantasy and fiction. No, when we read this word, this is the real deal. 
This is Jesus talking. These are things that has happened and things that are going to happen. And God has allowed you to be alive in this day and age to witness some of these things. Pay attention. I tell my students all the time, pay attention to the things that you see taking place because many of these things that you will see taking place with your own eyes will be things that you have read off of the pages of this book. So we need to adhere. As I close out this trust in the Lord again, as I close out, excuse me, patience is a weapon. Implement that weapon. Telling yourself the truth is a weapon. Implement that. And let's go forth and be the people that God knows that we can be. He already knows it. He already knows. He's the one who chose. We did not choose ourselves. God chose us. So we've got to be about the business to do everything that he's called us to do. Practice patience. Practice discipline. Develop. Grow. we got a lot of work to do. And, you know, again, I see the power of Satan all over in this kingdom. But we have the power of Almighty Lord Jesus. And I don't care what you see going on in this world. Nothing, absolutely nothing can defeat the power of the Lord Jesus. So let's go forth. Stop being afraid. Stop worrying. Let God take care of all that other stuff. If you don't have any control over it, leave it in the Lord's hands and let him do the work. All we have to do is wait. And in our waiting, we will praise him. In our waiting, we will continue to grow and develop and be the people that he's called us to be. I am Sabbath Rachel Lafleur. Peace out.
I'm asking now is, is to give truth a chance. All I've ever told anybody is the truth. Now, just because you didn't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. And I'm asking people to give truth a chance. All around, you hear the lies being told from the top. Every time you turn around, it just don't seem to stop. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. When you're ready to move far beyond that same old dance, all you gotta do is listen, yeah, and give truth a chance. I'm here because I am a roaring lion crying out righteousness. Welcome to the Manning Report. I am your host for today, Sabbath Rachel Leffler, sitting in for the Honorable James David Manning, who is taking care of legal business concerning the uh, foreclosure, uh, this uh, massive battle that we are in against the Mellon Bank, who has certainly committed fraud in so many areas. Uh, Pastor taking all of that, uh, you know, the legal things in regards to that. And so um, here you have me today. Now it, we are coming to you live from Outlaw. Uh, God has changed the name from Harlem. And I tell you, it was so cool this morning, 46 degrees right now, but it actually feels a little bit warmer today. And uh, I, I, 
I am so looking forward to spring. I don't know how many of you are. I know that there are people who love winter, but I'm certainly looking forward to warmer weathers. Well, there is so much to talk about today, and I hope I can get everything squeezed in in this hour. Of course, we want to start off with the state of the speech. Sleepy Joe Biden. Now, I will start off by saying this. Sleepy Joe Biden was a little bit more energetic last night than we have been used to seeing. Um, I'm not sure whether he took extra vitamins or they gave him some happy juice to drink before he started, but he was a little bit more energetic last night. Uh, He did fumble through some words, um, but I thought it was interesting um, how he was able to come back uh, so quickly with some statements, uh, especially as he was being heckled by the Republicans. So I want to go through some of what took place last night, some of the statements that he made. Um, as I thought, it was very interesting. You know, one of the things that I will say is that what he said last night, and, and many of them, they have been fact-checked. Uh, obviously, you know that they fact-checked uh, every time a president goes up and speak at the State of the Union. And many of the statements he made um, in regards to fact-checking was actually accurate. Of course, there are some things that, you know, could be stretched uh, one way or another. But for the most part, as he was tooting his horn of his accomplishments, his accomplishments uh, these last two years. His mantra last night was, let's finish the job. Uh, He made that statement probably more than 10 times last night, let's finish the job, let's finish the job. This is what we've done thus far, but let's finish the job because we're not done as of yet. And so I think that what we saw last night was a snippet of the re-election campaign as he um, runs again in 2024. Now, I will tell you, despite everything that he said last night, I don't think that it's going to work. Many Americans, again, are not happy with uh, the last two years in regards to the uh, this Biden White House thing. And if you saw last night, they used uh, Sarah Huckabee, who is now the governor of Arkansas, uh, 40 years old, as her response to the State of the Union last night, which is very interesting that they would choose Sarah Huckabee. Um, as she is young. And one of the things that she kept saying last night, she used the term crazy in uh, as a definition of this this uh, this White House and Biden. Um, and the other thing that she said, if you were listening to her carefully, was that, OK, we need to get rid of this old geezer and we need to bring in a younger generation is what she was saying. Um you know, and it's it's interesting that they were used again, Sarah Huckabee, as she talked about, you know, this generation needs, this generation wants a new leader. This generation wants this kind of change. This generation doesn't want to deal with this. But I will say that the generation of Sarah Huckabee, um, you know, I stated to you last week covering um, some news in last week's Manning Report that many of the younger generation don't want to have anything to do with um, churches. And I can't necessarily fault them to some extent because many of these buildings that they call churches are not really churches. But what it goes to show is, again, because they are not interested in hearing the word of God, and I think that's one more 
important. They're not interested in hearing the word of God, that they have all types of things that they will support and believe in. There are no values that are based in the word of God with the younger generation. Many of them believe that you you should be able to love who you want to love. You should be able to do this. If you want to do that, you should be able to do whatever feels good to you. So, Sarah Huckabee stating that, you know, we need to get rid of this and bring in this old, this generation is not the answer. I can tell you right now that that is not the answer. Bringing in a younger generation is not the answer. The answer is righteousness. It was righteousness. It is righteousness. It will always be that of righteousness. That is the only answer. If you're talking about getting this country back to any kind of way that will um, give glory to God. Because as we look at it now, no matter who is in the White House, it is not going to change anything. But again, as we go through the State of the Union last night, um, Biden started off by uh, celebrating people and congratulating people. And he first started off with the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. And if you see Kevin McCarthy in the background as he was sitting behind next to um, the woman that you all call uh, Black Harris, who is not black, but that's a whole nother story, um, you see uh, the expressions on uh, McCarthy's face. And it has been reported that McCarthy you know, said the Republicans, you need to be more mature in how you respond tonight. I'm going to respect Biden and the things he says, though I don't disagree, though I don't agree with them. And you saw that on his expressions that he made last night. But I'm going to respect him and let him speak. And so he started off again by congratulating um, Kevin McCarthy. And uh, then he went on to make a joke and said, you know, uh, I look forward for us to work together. And then he went to congratulate the, uh, the, the new leader of the House of Democrats, the first black House minority leader in history, uh, as stated, Hakeem Jeffries. Then he went on to congratulate Mitch McConnell for being the longest serving senator. Then he went on to congratulate Chuck Schumer. Uh, for another term as the Senate majority. And then he ended his congratulation with Nancy Pelosi, stating she has been the greatest speaker in the history of this country. So he started off with his congratulations to everyone, and then he went into it. And so much of his speech covered the economy, as you knew that it would. It covered the fact that uh, the unemployment has decreased, and in fact, it has decreased. Um, and it covered that um, uh, Hamites and Hispanics have increased in their employment. And again, the fact check stated that that is all true. But then there was a moment where he spoke. When he began to talk about seniors, and he talked about specifically Social Security and that of Medicare, and how important it is to keep those in place, keep those on the table for seniors, Social Security and Medicare. And then he went on to something that caused what we would call the children being dissatisfied with their dinner. And I want to show you that clip. And I'll have more to say about it. Some of my Republican friends want to take the economy hostage. I get it. Unless I agree to their economic plans. All of you at home should know what those plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans 
Some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. Let me give you, anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if, if Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not I'm politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, the idea is that we're not going to be we're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. Folks. So you see Marjorie Taylor Greene yells out, liar, you liar, to Biden as he made those statements. You know, he goes on to clean it up and he says, you know, I'm not talking about the majority of you, but certainly a few of you have. And it, it is indeed the case that Rick Scott of Florida uh, had a controversial proposal stating that he wanted to take um, Social Security and Medicare off the table. But again, they got very upset. <laughs> they got very unruly and started heckling him. You know, I saw a uh, interview with uh, Nancy Pelosi and they asked her, well, how do you feel about the fact that he was being heckled by uh, many of the Republicans? And she said, uh, well, I thought that they were actually on their base behavior last night. I mean, compared to the meetings that we have in the, in the Senate, they were actually on their best behavior last night. And I had to chuckle at that um, because obviously they were very upset about the statements that he was making. You know, but it was said um, in many reports that Biden loves this, that he loves to interact with people and that when he is interacting with people, he's more energetic um, and he he can offer quick responses, uh, I guess, quicker in response to uh, people's response to the statements that he made last night. And this was not this was just one incident. You know, uh, we saw this again at other times when he made uh, statements about certain items. But this was the one that got people of uh, the Republican Party really upset when he made the statements because. You know, you don't want to be seen as the bad guy who wants to take uh, Social Security and Medicare away from people, especially because people have earned their Social Security. If, if people have worked hard for many years, they certainly deserve their Social Security. And what Biden is stating, well, we're going to make sure that stays on the table. But, you know, there's some of you who actually want to take that from the table. So he spent a lot of time talking about the economy. He talked about the health plan. He talked about infrastructure. And one of the areas that he talked about was that of, and specifically in health care, is that of the ridiculous amount of money that uh, people have to pay as far as medicine is concerned. And he gave the example using that of diabetes. You know, people have to buy insulin. You have diabetes, you have to buy insulin. And insulin can be very, very costly. 
And as of last night's State of the Union, you know, he got he went on to state that that he's going to put a cap on the price of insulin at $35, that that would be the cap that a person would have to pay for insulin. As he stated, it just costs the pharmaceutical companies $10 to make it. And then they begin to have people pay these enormous amounts of money for insulin, knowing that they need it. It's, it's between life and death. You know, you don't get your, you have diabetes, you don't get your insulin. That's it. And so to expect people to pay these large amount of monies uh, on something that they need in order to survive is absolutely ridiculous. Um, So this was one of the areas where he got a standing ovation. Of course, many times um, people stood up for him. And there were times that collectively, which although very few, where the Republican Party stood um, in agreement with, uh, with Biden. But I will say this, because the Republican Party has the majority of the House. It is going to be very difficult going forward um, for Biden to get all of the things he stated. Now, again, to me, last night was a snippet of the 2024 campaign. Um, you know, let's finish what we started off doing. Let's finish it. Let's bring all jobs back to America. Let's bring all production back to America. Make it American made. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Which he stated last night as well. And he got um, a rounding applause in it, making it America again. The focus being on America. And, you know, again, he uh, he spoke about uh, China, our relations with China, and shooting down the spy balloons, which the Republicans say he did not handle the way that they would want him to handle it. Um, he was very defensive about that and made some remarks about that. Um, uh, Tyra Tao Nichols, uh, his parents were there, and, you know, Biden said, I never had to have the talk with my three children about how to respond to police officers, about how to keep your hands on a wheel, how to make sure you don't do this or do that, um, which I'm sure resonated with some people if, if it did. But again, all of this to me is nothing but campaign speech um, is what he did last night. And so this, I again, I see as a snippet or an opening, looking into the window of what we're going to see in the 2024 um, election. You know, Trump is going to run as well. And so as we look at this, as we look at all that's going to take place here, and we don't know what's going to happen, you know, we just look at things for what they are. We'll see things as time goes on. We'll see what takes place as we go on. But I can tell you, as the Republican Party has the majority of the House, um, it's going to be very interesting, to say the least, uh, even with the statements that he made last night. And so, you know, I stated to you earlier, it doesn't matter what happens from this moment on, 
things are going to be whatever they're going to be. What's what's more important is that we stand on the word of God and that uh, we look to him for our help. Because I can tell you right now, you're not going to get any help from anywhere else. But, you know, going back to sleepy Joe Biden, he seemed a little bit more energetic last night. I'll give him that. Um, You know, I've seen him speak in the past and I have not seen um, if... I guess that's the most energy that he can give, then that's the most energy that he could give. But the fact that he was able to um, respond so quickly to certain things, and again, he did fumble through some words as he spoke last night, but he was able to come back with some witty statements that was not scripted. That was not teleprompted. Some of the statements that he made in his quick response to the interaction with those who were seated before him. So um, it was interesting to watch. But again, eh, it is what it is. And um, we will continue to see more as we go forth. Let's take a quick break and I'll be back with more. Hello, this is Mr. Babalola from Atlanta, Georgia. I just called to appreciate our dearest pastor, Pastor Manny. He has been a vector to appreciate his godly work on my children, what he has been doing with the children over there, has proved to me that he's a true man of God. And my prayer to him is that God will always strengthen him. And I I appreciate him. I love him. And God Almighty will always be with his family as well. So I really appreciate him. I love to be with him over there and with my children, but I'm a little bit incapacitated right now. I couldn't make such a long journey from here to New York, but I pray to God that God will give me the mercy, will grant me mercy to be able to do so very soon. I really like him, I really love him, And I I tell you, I will always love that man. He's a true man of God. And I really appreciate him very much. Thank you very much. And uh, I hope we see personally very soon. Okay? Say hi to all the members of, of, of the church. Thank you. You are such a very wonderful leader. I really appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Okay. Talk to you later. And I will see you by the grace of God. I will see you in person. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, this message is for Honorable James Manning. I just watched his um, stream from 12 hours ago, and he talks about how the black people or black men never build anything. 
Well, I'm here to tell you, he has. He's built a temple from here, from earth up to heaven. And there's no, I don't think there's any scientist or engineer or anything like that uh, that can say that they've done what James Manning has done. So he is the one black man that has done more than any of them. He's done more than Martin Luther King. As much as I love Martin Luther King, he didn't reach the people that Mr. James Manning reached because Dr. James Manning has reached so many people through YouTube itself um, all over the world. And he has built something that will never be moved, will never be shaken. And what he has done, uh, God just shines upon him, and he respects God and Christ. And you look at a lot of these churches that have been taken over by false preachers, and I think they were injected into the churches to destroy the church and to destroy the faith uh, so that people will not believe in God or Christ anymore. And that is the goal. And he keeps fighting them. And I respect him, and I tell you, God respects him, and Christ respects him. And he has built a tower, a, a concrete tower, a golden tower, whatever you want to call it, that reaches from earth to heaven. And he has saved so many people and touched so many people's lives. And he will be greeted when he crosses over one day. And his wife has helped him. They're right there with him. So she gets credit, too. Um, by the most beautiful um, people he could ever imagine, ever. I don't think, you know, but anyways, he's a wonderful man, and he is the one man that has built more than any of them, any of them, and, and they cannot sit there and, you know, they all march around in front of the cameras and everything and, you know, trying to be like Martin Luther King, but Mr. Manning is actually bigger the Martin Luther King. So I just wanted to say that and tell him how much we love him and appreciate him, and and I'm sure that God does and Christ does as well. Thank you. Have a good day. Randy Jones, who is the suspect in the deadly shooting of the off-duty officer, um, Adid Fayez, was arraigned yesterday. And as I was looking at the news last night, um, I saw a sea of police officers. And within maybe 15 minutes, I learned that uh, Officer Fayez had died. And, you know, we look at things like this take place as we talk about the death of police officers, and we know we just watched the uh, the tragic beating of uh, Tyree Nichols, and by the five Hamite officers that took place that should not have taken place. But when you think, and you know, I'm not trying to minimize that in any way, but you know, having lost a police officer or many police officers in the line of duty is, is certainly not an easy thing. You know, people can say what they want about police officers, and I get it. There are no doubt police people who should not be police officers policing. I mean, it is what it is. That is true. But certainly for many of them, there are many good police officers, men and women who risk their lives on a daily basis for the protection of the community, of the neighborhoods. Not every police officer out there is looking to beat someone over the head. 
And just as, you know, many of them are married, many of them have children, many of them are sons and daughters that will not go home at the end of the night. Now, certainly this suspect did not know that he was uh, a police officer, but nonetheless, he was trying to rob somebody, whether it be a police officer or not. He was going to shoot somebody, no matter who it was. And thank God that um, he has been caught and he was arraigned as of yesterday. But now that officer who was shot this past Saturday has died. I want you to see this clip from yesterday. Randy Jones is expected uh, at downtown in criminal court in downtown Brooklyn sometime today. Again, like you said, to be arraigned, he faces charges of attempted murder, or, uh, murder and attempted robbery. Uh, meanwhile, it was a somber scene last night as the body of that officer, 26-year-old Adid Fayez, was transferred to the medical examiner's office, draped in an NYPD flag and passed his fellow officers and family. Officer Fayaz has been fighting for his life at Brookdale Hospital since he was shot in the head on Saturday night, but he died yesterday. He leaves behind a wife and two children. Now, Fayaz's fellow officer stood in silence and watched as that suspect, Randy Jones, was taken to central booking yesterday. He's accused of attempting to rob and killing Fayaz, who was off duty at the time. Authorities say Fayaz and his brother-in-law thought they were going to buy a car they found on Facebook Marketplace, but Instead, they were met by Jones, and this encounter ultimately led to this devastating end. The hole in the heart will never go away. There's no such thing as closure. You get used to the pain. So we'll pray that we get justice, that the murderer that our detectives have captured gets a fair trial, a complete trial, and then put behind bars for the rest of their lives. Officer Fayaz's body will undergo an autopsy and then his body will be transferred to Pakistan. You know, you think you're just going to purchase a car from someone. You never think in your mind that that would be your last act, that that will be your last breath. But indeed, that was the case for Officer Fayez. Um, and this person, Randy Jones, uh, as I was watching the news report last night, I watched them taking him into the vehicle. And his family members, who I believe probably most likely was his family members, people who know him, people who love him, said to him, We love you, Randy. We love you forever. And then you hear him state, I love you too. And, you know, I sat in my living room and I thought to myself, here you are screaming out how much you love this person who took a, another man's life for no reason, because of greed. He took a, another man's life. And so maybe it was the fact that he was an officer that his family members said, you know, we don't give a damn. He shot an officer. He shot a police officer. Look what policemen do to us. Why should we care that our loved one shot a police officer? Who cares? But, you know, to make such a statement, <laughs> someone is taking someone else's life for no reason at all. And you want to yell out, we love you, we love you forever. So doesn't matter what they do. They can do nothing wrong. Take another man's life. Who cares? 
Who gives a damn that this man is not going to be able to go home to his wife and who's his two children, two young children, his life taken away all because you want what you can't work for. You want to take it so easily. And so, you know, you look at the state of mind of Hamite people because they were Hamite. The suspect is Hamite, a black man that did this. And you wonder what in God's name goes on in the mind of Hamite people? What in God's name goes on in the mind of a Hamite person? Where you telling me you don't feel a little, you don't feel any grief, you don't have any feeling for this man's family, the fact that they won't have their father anymore, the fact that they won't have the his wife won't have her husband. You don't care that your loved one took their life for no reason at all. That doesn't bother you. You're still going to go to sleep at night. You're still going to make your bologna sandwiches at night. You you just don't care. It doesn't matter to you. And then you wonder why, again, the Hamite race is where they are. What goes on in the mind of a Hamite person? How can you still stand there and defend someone who does wrong? How can you still say you give unconditional love to someone who does something as wicked as this? It is quite shocking to me. And I guess, you know, to say shocking... Why should it be shocking that people could actually think this way? That pe- I mean, because obviously people don't care. And this is what I'm talking about again. This, this younger generation of people, they don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to have anything to do with the word of God. But yet this is where we are. You know, ironically talking about Hamite people, and I, I forgot to give it to the program director, Machen Farr, but I was reading the article a couple of days ago about a food vendor who um, they prepared the menu for a school district. And apparently uh, there was their menu that they prepared for what they say is the first day of Black History Month, February 1st. They decided, and I have to be honest with you, I laughed when I read the article. This food vendor company decided to give the students chicken and waffles for lunch, and then they gave them a watermelon dessert. This was the lunch that they had prepared for the school students. And so the principal of the school district was very upset and said, oh, how insensitive insensitive it was that this food vendor would give chicken and waffles and a watermelon dessert on the first day of Black History Month. That's what she said, right? So then I said, well, would she have been less bothered if they had given that menu on January 28th or if they have given that menu on March 1st? Or is it just solely about the fact that she gave it on the first day of Black History Month. And the food vendor apologized, and they didn't realize it was the first day of Black History Month, and they weren't focused on that. And, you know, whether or not that's true or not true, I don't know. But what I will say is this, because as far as I'm concerned, all of that is irrelevant. What I will say is stop trying to appease black people. Stop trying to please them. That's what I will say. 
because you're not going to get anywhere by trying to please black people. Maybe they thought, hmm, chicken and waffles is a good dish. We'll just serve something that we know that they will enjoy. Maybe they were thinking that. I don't know. I don't know what the case is. Stop trying to please them. Stop trying to appease them. Stop walking on eggshells for black people. Stop doing it. You don't need to do it. Though they make you think you need to do it, you don't need to do it. So now they are making the food vendor who has complied and agreed and apologized that they are going to attend a sensitivity training because they need training that is very insensitive to serve chicken and waffles and a watermelon dessert on the first day of black history. I guess on any day of black history. Wait until March or maybe do it before and you can serve it because I guarantee you, I guarantee you those children would have eaten chicken and waffles. If you like that kind of stuff, I guarantee you they would have eaten it. And so, again, stop trying to please black people. That's where that's where you go wrong in the first place is that you're so busy trying to please them because they're putting up their fists and they're saying black lives matter and you want to make them feel good about themselves. Stop trying to do that. That's not your job. That is not your job. You had nothing to do, though they're trying to blame every white person for slavery and saying it's their fault. Please, stop trying to please them. Trust me, you're always going to fail if you try to please them because they're always going to put it right back to that of racism. They're always going to turn to racism. Oh, you're doing that because we're black, is what they will say to you. You need sensitivity training. Because, you know, we sensitive people. We sensitive. You can't give us watermelon desserts during Black History Month. You got to wait till March to give us watermelon dessert. You want to give us fried chicken during, what, during Black History Month? Why don't you wait? Wait till this month pass. Then you can make all the fried chicken you want and give it to us. We going to eat it. But don't give it during Black History Month. Because you being, you's being insensitive. Are you serious? Stop trying to please black people, please. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop trying to do it. But yet this is where we are. So going back to this officer who was fatally killed by this Hamite man, and we see this time and time again in our communities, and we don't want to address this, but we'd rather focus on the fact that police are beating us We'd rather focus on the fact that police are beating black men than focus on the fact of what our black men are doing to our own black men or what our black men are doing to others. We don't want to focus. We don't, we don't want to talk about that. Shh, Sabbath, put that in the closet. We don't want to talk about that. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell nobody. Keep that in keep that a secret. You're march for everything else. But yet where are the marches for such an act as this? Where are the marches for how we tear down one another? 
how we kill one another on a daily basis. I guarantee you, before the night is over, a black man going to shoot another black man somewhere. A black man going to stab another black man somewhere. A black man going to beat another black man. A black man going to walk away from his children if he hasn't already done it. A black man going to leave his family if he hasn't already done it. A black man. We're not talking about everybody else. Remember, I said learn to tell yourself the truth as it has been taught in this house. Until we begin to look at ourselves and take all responsibility for our own actions and stop playing the victim. Because, you know, you've been playing that victim. You've been playing that fiddle for so long. <laughs> Woe is me. I'm the victim. I can't do anything. They won't let me get anywhere. I can't get a job. I can't provide for my family. I'm always being torn down. I'm the victim. Woe is me. Look at them. Woe is me. And still we stop playing the victim. Get up on the two feet that God has given you and do what you need to do and face the truth about yourself. You're never going to get to where you need to be. Never. And so we'll continue to make excuses and we'll continue to try to keep things on a hush hush. And we'll continue to get mad at anyone who points out the truth because you are not ready to face the truth. We're going to continue to see things like this happen. There's a vision that God has called for this house. You need to support it. It's talking about teaching black men how to stomp down love a woman. Teaching black men how to take care of their families. Teaching black men how to love Jesus Christ and give glory unto him. Teaching black men how to be world leaders. There's a prophecy. But it's not about skin color. It's about righteousness. You need to support that. Because if, if you can get on board, if you can support what God trying to raise up men, going to raise up men, so man can be stomped down and said, you know what? I could take care of my family. I don't need no government taking care of my family. I can take care of my community. Until we can support the work that God is doing in this house, because this is the only answer. We're going to continue to read these kind of reports. We're going to continue to read things like this. You're going to continue to hear about it. It's not going to change until we can tell ourselves the truth. Let's take another break, and I'll be back with more of the Manning Report. Over the years... We have served more than one million meals to hungry bellies and hungry people here in the Harlem community. And I wanted you to be able to see that. I want you to see our involvement with youth, our summer youth programs, the uh, our courtyard being used as a, uh, a place where children can be safe, guarded, and protected as they have their miniature swimming pools. Um, and a safe place for children to eat that is guarded, that is protecting, protected by our own sense of security and the wholesome and fresh meals. 
that um, that we serve. We, we wanted you to be able to see the mission of this church. And we've been doing this for years. Just recently, one of our members, more than a 30-year member of this church, but it hasn't, not one that... You know that you would probably find as members of some other churches with their nose stuck up in the air. But her father is now close to death or very sick in the state of South Carolina. And uh, what I said to her, what I said, well, because she doesn't have money, I said, we will buy you a bus ticket, a round trip bus or train ticket for you to travel to South Carolina to, to be with your father in this time of pandemic. There's very little funding around. There's, there's sickness everywhere. And and she the thing that just blew me away was she said as she was talking to Elizabeth, she said, but how are you going to do that? To pay for me a round-trip ticket to, to travel and give me expense money. And because you got to, Pastor Manning has to feed the children. He has to take, he has to educate the children. He has to buy school supplies for them. He has to pick them up in the mornings and take them back. And then he's got the ministry he has to take care of, all the bills of running the church, of keeping a major house like our house operational, keep the lights on, keep the, how are you going to be able to do that? And she was almost reluctant to take the money because she felt that it would be better served by feeding the children. We gave it to her anyway. But we want you to know that we do a work in this community. There have been a lot of lies told on us. And it's almost unimaginable why some of the people that have lied on us. But I can tell you behind all of it is the LGBTQ community. They don't want us to be successful, but we are and we're going to continue to be successful in serving the meals that we're serving and serving the people that we are. And the LGBTQ community will not take us down. They are not going to take our church, yet they have defamed us. They've written ugly newspaper articles about us. They've marched against us. They've done a whole lot of ugly things. But you say what we have done, and that's not even the half of our service to children and to the needy in terms of our homeless shelters and the things that we've done over the years, and we will continue. And probably the lies and the smears and the ugly newspaper articles and the wicked spirits and the so-called I ain't for the black man, that is not going to go away. I don't expect it to go away. I don't. But I do tell you this, that we will succeed against all of that, for God is with us, and I am his servant. Educators are worried about the effects of social media and mental health, and this has been a uh, conversation that people or educators specifically have been having for quite some time. Pastor spoke about this this past Sabbath, about uh, teaching children the truth and telling children the truth. We certainly do that in this house, uh, in our school, on a daily basis. But in respects to these computers and other technology, um, in regards to social media, it has a profound impact on the mental health of uh, students, including adults. I will include adults, though, uh, what the clip that we're going to show you is specifically talking about students, but it has an effect on adults as well. Let's run that clip, and I'll have more to say about it.
It's an issue now that's on so many parents' minds, social media and the impact it can have on our kids and students in school. One district out in Seattle believes that tech companies should be held responsible. NBC Connecticut's Dave Peck joins us live. Now, Dave, what are the conversations like among educators here in Connecticut? Yeah, Kevin, for them, the impact on social media that it has on the students, that's not necessarily a new thing. What is a new thing is that within the last week, like you said, a school district in Seattle has filed a lawsuit to try and hold some of those tech companies accountable. It's a business, I guess, for the people that are doing it, like they're making money off of it. Um, but for everyone else, it's it's just a distraction. The jury's out and it's been out for years on the influence social media has on mental health. There are times when I treasure social media for getting messages out. And there are times when social media can be very destructive. That's what one school district from Seattle believed when it filed a lawsuit against several tech companies, claiming the use of their platforms has created a mental health crisis among America's youth. I can imagine it's just, um, it leads to a lot of anxiety and depression. And when you're constantly... Um, comparing yourself or or having to see how other people live their lives and compare how you live your life. Then there are the potentially dangerous trends and challenges, an issue that's top of mind for various Connecticut educators. We are strong proponents of monitoring the social media TikTok trends. Our teachers are all over that, reporting and working with administration to try and kind of nip anything in the bud to prevent an issue. There's no one solution, but rather a significant gray area when considering legislation. I don't know that there's been a legislation legislative fix really um, kind of tossed around. I, I think nobody knows what that looks like in a responsible and meaningful way that doesn't also kind of emerge as censorship. Diaz said proper use comes down to educating students on the benefits and harms. The challenge is having that message sink in. The way you reach them is to involve them and engage them in the conversation. It can't be um, me uh, saying don't do this because that doesn't work. Now, Diaz said that schools in Connecticut have been addressing topics of social media in health classes as a way to further that discussion. Now, that is without a doubt true. Um, you know, I stated to you earlier, you the only thing you can do is try to control what you can't control, but things you cannot control, you can't. And one of the things that we do here in Great Tomorrow's Elementary and Middle School is we've had classes of uh, social media and mental health because we realize that, you know, we cannot go into the homes of students and tell them not to go on social media. Uh, many of them have gadgets and technology, and so they're going to go on. And we know that, you know, just telling them don't go on, we know that they're going to go on. And so we've held classes here where uh, we talk about the benefits as stated in this uh, particular um clip that you saw, as well as the danger of social media. Now, again, whether it's going to sink in is another story. And so what I realized, not just being a teacher, but a parent, um, I what we do in our household um, is that we realize uh, this has been a major concern for us for some time now, since computers have 
um, come apart because, you know, I didn't grow up with a cell phone. I did not grow up even um, with my own computer. In fact, I, we did not have a computer in my house um, as I think about it. And so I did not have all of these things to distract me. Um, you know, we, Machen Far and I and Machen LaFleur, who are all sisters, we did other things uh, to entertain ourselves and, you know, things that we enjoyed uh, as well. But, you know, we live in the day of technology. Everyone has a technology, whether it be a phone or some other type of technology, an iPad or something else. And so what Elder LaFleur and I have done in our own homes is that, you know, being a member of this house, listening to the teachers of the Honorable James David Manning, and specifically in regards to assignments, is I talk to my students all the time, and I think we collectively, I know this to be true, with the student body, talk to the students about being who God has called them to be. Um, as far as career-wise, looking at their gifts, looking at their skills, looking at their talents, to help lead them or direct them in the way that God would want them to go. And so what we have done in our home is we looked at our children, um, and we we have conversation. We talk to our children. We know what interests them. I see as a mother what uh, skills or abilities each of my children have. They each have different areas of passions that they're interested in. And what I decided to do, because my children don't have cell phones, only uh, our eldest does, who is in her last year getting ready to graduate this May from NYU. She has a cell phone. The rest of them don't, but they do have other technology that they use for school. And even with those technology, they can get on and do all kinds of things. So one of the things in our own home is, you know, again, control what you can control. We don't allow our children on any of their technology throughout the week. Um, the week is solely for school. Now, if you have to do a school assignment, which they have to do sometimes on their computer, we allow them, of course, to do that, to get their assignments done. But other than that, they are not allowed on their uh, technology throughout the week. Um, and they know that. That's a rule in our household that is enforced and that every child follows. But then the other thing is I thought about this, and I said, well, okay, well, how can I keep them busy? You know, when I was growing up, we would just go outside and play, Machen Far and I. And, again, we were right there on 155th Street and 8th Avenue. We'd go out in front of my building, and we would jump double dutch, and, and we would play other things right in front of the building. We did that every day without a problem. Then when it was time for us to go upstairs, we went upstairs. It's difficult to do that in this day and age with all of the violence, the rampant violence that is around without being concerned about their well-being. And so, you know, obviously that's not something that we we do. But so what I've done is I've looked at all their passions, looked for all of the things that they're interested in. And what Elder LaFleur and I did was where we got them focused on those things and we're helping them to develop those areas of their lives. So, for example, um, my youngest daughter, who is 10, wants to be a fashion designer, as she has stated. Whether that would change, I don't know, as she gets older. So she says she wants to start, she wants to make clothing. So I have her now um, learning crochet, and she started crocheting. And so she spends her time, if she's not doing schoolwork, um, besides 
besides reading because she loves to read and so we bought her many books so that she can read at home which she does every day and she'll spend hours reading um, which is great is she'll do some crocheting um, and I've gotten her some tutorials and things where she's learned how to do crocheting so she'll spend her time doing that and then my other daughter who loves who wants to be a chef and own her own restaurant well she likes to cook she enjoys cooking so we bought her some things and we allow her to do some cooking in the home to you know build to develop herself my um Second born daughter who is uh, 15 wants to own her own bakery. She loves to bake. And so, of course, uh, we don't allow her to bake every day because then that would be a problem in itself. But of course, we would have to eat it because many of the things that she bakes um, are really good. And so we wind up eating them as a family. But she does do baking in the home and we bought her things so she can grow and develop in that area. And then our son, of course, um, has stated he wants to be an engineer so we bought him his own engineer project for him to begin working on to use his time when he's done with his schoolwork, working on the project that he's working on. And so that's what we've done in our own home to try to gear our children away from the computer and because it can be very addictive to be on the computers. Um, and, of course, our eldest, well, she goes to school and she works, so she's either at school or working all of the time. So her time is, is kept doing that. But it's so important as parents that you do everything you can to protect your children because it's so easy for children to get sucked in to this social media or even just other things that is on the computer. And so try to control what you can control and do the best you can. Now, I have to tell you that this requires a lot of energy on our part because we have to stay on top of our children. And many times I'm even helping my children in the different areas of the things that they're doing. So I supervise my daughter when she is cooking meals. Um, my 11-year-old, she's supervised when she's cooking. Or um, I'm nearby when my daughter's crocheting and she may have trouble with something where I may help her. Um, our son pretty much can do his engineering project on his own, and our 15-year-old is pretty much okay with her baking. She'll even have her sibling helping her to bake. But you have to stay on top of your children as best you could. You can't protect them from everything, but you can do everything that you can to do that the best that you can. And again, social media is very addictive, and I don't like what it's doing to our young people. And many of them don't even realize that they're addicted to it as again we've gone through a class and we have them take surveys and questionnaires and they were startled at some of the answers because even they didn't realize it's very easy to get addictive to being on technology all of the time I mean when I'm walking in the street and we are in a car People could be crossing the street and everyone is this. Everyone is looking down at their phone. They don't even look up anymore or look around or observe their surroundings or are listening to what's going on around them. We are completely consumed by technology and by social media. And so it's important that we do everything that we can as adults to protect our children, whether it be in our own homes or the best that we can as teachers um, in our schools. And we certainly do that here uh, in Great Tomorrow's Elementary, Middle School, and Outlaw High School. So 
you know, it's a concern for all educators. It should be a concern for parents. I know that it's certainly a concern for Pastor Manning as he spoke about it, and it's not going to get any better. We are definitely, without a doubt, in the age of technology, where technology pretty much runs everything around us, and that's not going to change. In fact, it's going to... I think can get worse. I mean, you don't have to get up anymore to do many things. We have technology to do it for you. So I will again implore everyone um, to bring your children to our schools. Let us teach your children. Let us train them uh, in the way that would give glory unto God and give uh, honor unto you as a parent. Bring your children to our school. I, I guarantee you, you will not regret it if you bring them here. No one is going to love your children the way that we love them. No one is going to teach your children the way that we teach them as we are taught as teachers by the Honorable James David Manning. So I pray um, that you will continue to support this house. I pray you will continue to listen to the words that are spoken from this house and be blessed and be who God has called you to be in his name. Well, that's it for this segment of the Manning Report. I am Sabbath Rachel LaFleur, and I say to all of you out there, be safe and peace out. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. We shall never beg bread and will never be defeated. For the Lord is our refuge and our shield. We shall never beg bread and will never be defeated. For the Lord is our shelter and our shield. young and now been old yet have I never ever seen the righteous forsaken nor seed begging bread he is merciful and he is blessed we shall never
cheated for the love. 